My name is Money, and I've been attending community for, um, well, uh, well, since the very beginning. Since before the beginning, really. I'm not all bad. Some people don't know how to handle me, but give me a little bit of credit, okay? The way people treat me sometimes, it just, ugh, it rips me apart. <sighs> Practically tears me in two. I'm for you, not against you. I'm looking for a relationship here, but I don't think I'm the answer to all of your problems. I can't necessarily make all your dreams come true, but I think I can actually make you happy. All right, good morning. How y'all doing? You can respond back and say good morning. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're not awake on a beautiful day like this, then I mean, we're in trouble, right? Uh, thanks for joining us. My name is John. I'm the community pastor here at Lincoln Park and just uh, excited that you're uh, here with us today. And wow, what a powerful story, isn't it? I mean, that couple, you know, that uh, I just hope that I would respond the same way he did and not go, oh, no, 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 that was something else. Or, you know, I'm just kind of making a big deal of nothing. But man, how powerful that he's like, okay, you know, I think God said something. I'm just going to like go with it. And then, uh, man, there's a little baby that might not be around otherwise. So cool stuff. Uh, okay, we continue the series, Money Talks. And, um, you know, I found that sometimes people spend money on the craziest stuff. Nobody here, of course, but, you know, some people, right? Uh, for example, uh, the actor Nicolas Cage, check this out. He actually bought a nine-foot-tall pyramid-shaped tomb so he could be buried in it like an Egyptian king. I guess he actually does want to be a national treasure, huh? Okay, you guys are kind. All right, I couldn't help it. All right, all right. How about this, huh? Paris Hilton, okay, she bought a $325,000 villa for her dogs. It's two stories, 300 square feet, actually has custom-designed furniture in it. So yes, it is definitely nicer and maybe even larger than some of our apartments, okay? <laughs> now, it's easy to roll our eyes, okay, when we see kind of this craziness. But the truth is, we normal people, and we make crazy purchases too. And uh, I came across this on the interwebs, as I like to call them. Uh, bought a onesie for my Great Dane. Don't know why I bought it, but I think he liked it. Some of you are searching Amazon right now for that same onesie, I know. Do not do that to your dog. He does not deserve that humiliation, okay? And I'm not immune to spending uh, money on ridiculous stuff either. Uh, several years ago, I decided that my workout regimen needed a little pickup, and so I bought this contraption called the Total Gym, endorsed by Christy Brinkley, all right, and Chuck Norris. <laughs> I thought my abs could use a little work. They promised six-pack abs overnight. You can see clearly that did not work, but I did spend money on this thing and it was a disaster and it ended up serving as a clothesline hanger for all my pants and shirts that I didn't want to go through the dryer cycle. And true story, uh, when we moved from the Burbs to Chicago, I refused to admit that I wasn't going to use this. So we stored it in the garage of our house that we kept in the suburbs for 10 years. Finally, 10 years later, we finally sold the thing. Yay. Glad to sell the house. And I finally hauled this out to the garbage and admitted that it was a bad purchase. Anyway, my wife told me that a long time ago. Uh, but you know, I mean, the necessities of life, right? Like food and clothing and utilities are expensive enough. But when we compound those expenses with bad spending habits, it can lead to something that's really not so humorous. And that's debt, right? Debt, D-E-B-T. And I think for too many of us, debt actually is a four letter word. And if you're living under the pressure of debt, 
Uh, you know how overwhelming it can feel. Personal debt is a huge challenge, a huge problem uh, for our country, for Americans in particular. Uh, the Pew Research uh, people actually found out recently that 80%, 80% of Americans live under the pressure of debt. Eight out of 10, think about that. And despite how common debt is, we, we still struggle to talk about it. We struggle to get help. And I think it's too often because we, you know, we feel sort of ashamed maybe or embarrassed, and so we keep it hidden, which only makes the pressure even worse. And so my goal today is not to help us feel worse, okay? I don't want you to feel worse about it, okay? I think we're all pretty good at feeling bad ourselves. Um, actually, who here hasn't made anybody, just a show of hands if you've made a financial mistake or two. Okay, yeah, like everybody, right? Both of my hands, all right, would go up on that. And so my aim today really is, is to show us God's way to happiness in this area. Because I believe that's what he wants for us today. I really believe that we can show you God's way to happiness in this area because I think that's what he wants for us, all right? And so I want you to hold on to that, all right? Because I'm going to come back to that in a little bit, I promise. So like I said, we're in week two of this series, Money Talks. And during this three-week series, we're encouraging each other to examine our relationship with money, we're encouraging you to examine your relationship with money. I mean, money often gets a bad rap. And I don't want you to think of money as a bad thing. I want you to think of money as a good thing. Okay? I don't want you to think of money as a bad thing. I want you to think of it as a good thing. If there's somebody near you, turn to them and just say, money's not a bad thing. Go ahead. Do that real quick. Now, money's not a bad thing. Right. Okay. There we go. Money does get a bad rap. You see, money can be a problem when we start relating to it in a bad way. Money can become a problem when we start relating to it in a bad way. Uh, the Apostle Paul warned uh, his apprentice, the younger Timothy, with these words, okay? And imagine sort of a, an older, kind of more seasoned uh, person kind of speaking, uh, you know, to a, to a younger individual, and he says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, you've probably heard that before, right? If you've been in church at all, you've probably heard that. But notice it's the love of money. That's the root of all the evil. Not money. It's the love of it, our obsession with it. And then he says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Pierced themselves with many griefs. Now that's a pretty strong language. But you know, what? I got to tell you, I've seen this happen. I mean, people that I love and I've been close to in the past, I mean, have done some of the craziest things. All right. I mean, things that, you know, I, I was shocked that they would actually do an effort to just get a little more money, in some cases put them like on the front page of newspapers. I mean, completely derailed their lives. Good people. It actually did. It pierced themselves with all kinds of grief. And so this series is about having a healthy relationship with money. And so I want you to, to kind of use your imagination as we have in this series and, and try to picture money as a person who could actually talk to you. All right. Try to picture money. I don't know if you have a, a dollar bill, if anybody carries these anymore. I actually carry cash once in a while. But I mean, imagine if money, okay, could actually talk to you. I wonder what money might say. See, I wonder if money might say this. I actually can make you happy. I actually can make you happy. Now, you might be surprised to hear that at church. Maybe it seems like the opposite of what Jesus would say. But maybe just maybe money would say this. Maybe just maybe money would say this. Uh, take a look at this foundational uh, principle about money that we find in Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 
the world and all who live in it. For the, he founded it on the seas and he established it on the water. See, God reminds us that the earth is his and everything in it. Now, last time I checked, you see, there's nothing that isn't something. And so that means that everything, 100% of everything belongs to God and 0% of it actually belongs to me. Now, when I hear that, sometimes I kind of think, yeah, okay, I get that. But you know, I really worked hard to get what I've got. Or I might say, okay, I get that it's God's, but I didn't just sit back and wait for it to come to me. And while that may be true, I think God wants to, us to remember that even my ability, even your ability and the opportunities that you've had to work hard and maybe make some money, that even comes from him and belongs to him. I mean, even people who tithe 10% of their income, which I think for a lot of us, it sounds like a lot, have to remember that the other 90% belongs to God too, right? It all belongs to him. And so the question I really want us to wrestle with today, okay, in the next like maybe 20 minutes, and I know money can be a tough topic sometimes, okay, but the question I really would just, if you would just go there for a little bit this morning, wrestle with this question, what am I doing with what I've been given to manage? All right? What am I doing with what I've been given to manage? Because see, Jesus told a story that challenges us to wrestle with that very question. Uh, Matthew, one of Jesus' first uh, followers, he writes about this story in his writings of Jesus. And I find it interesting that Matthew included this in his writings because Matthew was a tax collector in his life before Jesus. And so he knew a lot about money. As a matter of fact, tax collectors were known for cheating people out of all sorts of money. They worked for the Roman government and they would take taxes from the Jewish people, their own people, and they'd pocket a lot of it themselves. They'd take more than they were supposed to. So he knew about money. I find it really interesting that he included this story. And the story starts out with a wealthy man going on a trip and he calls his three servants together and asks them to manage his money while he's gone. And he gives one of them five bags of gold. He gives another one two bags of gold. And to one, he gives one bag of gold. And the first two servants, they go out and put the wealthy man's money to work. They invest it, and they both end up doubling his money. But the servant who received one bag of gold, he digs a hole in the ground, he hides the wealthy man's money. Now, let's pick up Jesus' story right there, okay? Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, you know, I, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. You know what, I think we need to back up. Did we skip one? Let's go back up here. Hang on a second, I'm sorry. Matthew 25, 19 to 21. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Did I just read that? No, all right. My bad. Sorry, guys. Let's pick up the story here, okay? After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them, all right? The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five, all right? Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness, all right? Now, I need to invest with this guy. Went out, doubled his master's money. So it goes pretty well with the first servant, right? After all, I mean, who doesn't like some public praise from their boss? Everybody does, right? And the same thing is true for the second one also. Again, a positive report, okay? But you can guess where this is probably going, and, and this is where we were before, right? Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. 
So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. I'm not liking the way this is going. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I was harvesting where I've not sown and I gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when you, I returned, I would have received it back with interest. He's basically saying you could have at least put it in the bank and gotten me some return, right? Then he goes on. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I got to tell you, that feels pretty harsh, doesn't it? I think we'd agree. So two of the servants, they get a good report, right? And one did not. And the two servants who managed their resources well were ready for the master's return. The one who did not manage well, all right, was what? Anxious and afraid. Now, I think that's really interesting. The one who didn't manage well, he is the one that was anxious and afraid, so what made the difference? What made the difference between the one that was anxious and afraid and the, and the two that were told, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy your master's happiness. It wasn't the amount they were asked to manage. It wasn't their status or position. I mean, all three of them were considered servants. What made the difference is what they did with what they were asked to manage. That's what made the difference, right? Let me say that again. What made the difference wasn't their status. It wasn't what they were given because one got five, one got two, one got one. It was what they did with what they were asked to manage. That's what made the difference. So let me ask you this, all right? What if we saw ourselves as the servants in the story? What if we saw ourselves as the servants in the story? I mean, what if everything we have has been entrusted to us to faithfully steward? What if everything we have actually has been entrusted to us to faithfully steward? It goes back to that question, right? What am I doing with what I've been given to manage? What am I doing with what I've been given to manage? And I gotta tell you, that question makes me wonder, you know, how would I handle my money if I truly saw myself as a money manager? Think about that. How would I handle my money if I truly saw myself as a money manager? You see, the reality is that we are managing the money for God on his behalf. The amount isn't what matters. I mean, some of us might be working with, you know, less and pinching pennies just to get by. Others of us are doing quite well, yet it still doesn't ever feel like enough, does it? In reality, most of us allow our income, right, to drive our spending, most of us allow our income to drive our spending. If you're making $45,000 a year, you probably spend $45,000. If you make $55,000, you spend $55,000. You make $100,000, you probably spend that too. $200,000 a year, eh, you might think, boy, if I was making that, I'd, have, I'd be saving a lot. Maybe, but probably not because you'd probably allow your current habit to follow you right up the pay scale. And that's not the only thing that'll follow. Then also what will follow is financial pressure and stress. And I know that might seem somewhat surprising to some of us, but because we kind of think, man, if I had that much money, I wouldn't have any financial pressure. But people that make that kind of money but spend it on nicer cars or, you know, bigger mortgages or, you know, more luxurious vacations, nothing wrong with those things necessarily, but they'll tell you that all kinds of financial pressure follows them too. And for some of you, this might be your story. You know, it could be that you're making more money now than you ever thought you would. 
and you feel as much financial pressure now as you did before. I think a lot of, a lot of folks are there. In fact, it can feel even worse. More money, more pressure, more problems. Uh, I'm pretty close to someone who had sort of a windfall year, made something like three times more than uh, he's ever made before. But he'd be the first to tell you that he didn't save a penny more. He actually saved more when he was making less. And I can tell you, because of that, he feels all sorts of financial pressure. And I know some of you feel that pressure regardless of what you make. And I know sometimes our income drops. Maybe it was a job change or a career shift or something unexpected, you know. But often our spending, it exceeds our income because we spend and borrow until we're upside down. And see, either way, see, I think we have to wrestle with that question. What am I doing with what I've been given to manage? What am I doing with what I've been given to manage? Man, it's been so convicting to me too this week. I mean, do you feel responsible and accountable for how you're managing God's wealth? Or are you the kind of money manager God might not feel like he can completely depend on? I mean, let's just be honest. See, truth is for a lot of us, um, we just don't know where our money is going, where it's actually being spent because we just don't keep track. We just don't keep track. Uh, we may have good intentions, but you see, until our actions match our intentions, we might fall short of our calling to live like those two servants who were good stewards of what they were given to manage. And so let me just ask you another question, all right? How might your money management change if you lived fully believing that you and all you have belongs to God? Think about that. How might your money management change if you lived fully believing that you, not only all you have, but you even, and all you have actually belongs to God? Um, author Andy Stanley says this. He says, um, what you do with your resources is a direct reflection of whose you are. If you belong solely to yourself, that's a very small life. That was kind of a sucker punch for me. <laughs> right? I mean, think about that. All right. Now, I think the first step in learning to manage God's resources is to know where your money's going. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get super practical, okay? I just want challenge you in a very practical way, trying to keep this like very real here today. Um, we're going to spy on our money together. All right. We're going to spy on our money together. I tell you what, turn, turn to somebody near you again and say, I'm going to spy on your money. I'm going to spy on your money. <laughs> we're all going to spy on our money. And I'm not talking about making a budget, you know, a, or a, that's a theory or a plan. What I want to challenge you today to do is to keep track of how you're spending money. Because most of us don't know how well we are managing what we've been given because we don't know where our money is going. And when we look at the resources and where they're going, I think we'll begin to see what we really value. And I know we all have room for growth here. I, Lisa and I, my wife and I, we were talking about that just this week and saying, you know, gosh, this is a great challenge for us. I kind of feel like we've gotten loose on this a little bit and not sure where everything's going right now. And one of the areas that we noticed is all these like little monthly deals, you know, a little more storage space for my computer, uh, you know, an app here, an app there. It's like $4.99 here, $9.99 here, $29.99 a, a year here. And man, I mean, before you know, that stuff starts to like add up, right? And so this is a great exercise for us, I know, right now. Because, you know, I got to ask you, do you know where, you're, where it's gone or is it just gone, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> do you know where it's gone or is it just gone? And here's the challenge, okay? 
I think if you want to grow in how you are stewarding the resources entrusted to you, I just want to challenge you to take a 30-day tracking challenge. Real simple. Just do a 30-day tracking challenge. Over the next 30 days, try to record every dollar you spend. Just try it, okay? Try it. Uh, there's a ton of apps out there that you can do this with um, that are simple. One of them that a lot of people like, I know, is the Mint app. It's straightforward, pretty easy to use. There are other apps, but find a way to track every dollar you spend over the next 30 days. And then after spying on your money for 30 days, I want you to just set aside some time to evaluate what you see. Just evaluate what you see. Take a look at where your money is going, and maybe you can find some areas where you can cut some unnecessary spending. And then you can ask yourself, all right, where does where your money is going say about where I am going? What does where your money is going say about where you're going? Think about that. What does where your money is going say about where you're going? What does it say about what's most important to us? And then just ask God to help you grow and how you're managing the resources that he's given you to do his kingdom work. See, I think this 30-day tracking challenge will help us with this question. What am I doing with what I've been given to manage? I think it can help us discern which servant we are like from the story we read earlier. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, okay, hey, wait a minute. At the beginning of the talk, you said that um, you're going to show us the way to happiness. And so far, this doesn't sound like the way to happiness. Tracking my money for 30 days is not exactly my idea of happiness. Well, let's remember what Jesus said to the two servants who managed his money well, okay? Take a look at that again. What did Jesus say to the two servants who managed his money well? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's what? You can say it out loud, what? Yeah, happiness, right, yeah. Come and share your master's happiness. See, the two servants who managed well got to experience their master's joy, his happiness. And when we begin to actually take this on and wrestle with this and live like everything we have already belongs to God and we're just stewarding his resources to love him and to love our neighbors, then we can have a healthy relationship with money. Then it can actually be something that draws us closer to God. And this is what we mean when we say that money actually can make you happy. It can make us happy when we manage it well, when we don't see it as ours, but rather use it faithfully for our king and his kingdom of love and peace and justice and wholeness. See, at the end of the day, and I, I feel like I've experienced this on both sides of it. I mean, money can be a tremendous source of stress and pressure. I know it can be. Or it can also be a force for just tremendous good if we faithfully manage it for our king and his kingdom. A community attender, Jessica Disboro, she discovered this reality. She lives in Downers Grove, and here is her story. My name is Jessica Disboro, and my husband, Paul, and I, and our two kids, Pierce and Kenley, have been attending Community Christian Church for about three years. My father was in sales, and... From a young age, I saw that the more success and achievement you had, the more money you would make, or that was my perception. It was you would then get a bigger house, or you'd have more stuff to buy, or um, a newer car, and I uh, kind of followed in those footsteps, and I ended up in sales for the last 20 years myself as well. It felt normal and 
till I started really kind of evaluating it more, digging in more. Money has created this um, sense of entitlement almost, like I deserve it, I earned it, I achieved it, and it's a very self-centered way of looking at, you know, what's been provided. In the last year and a half, as our small group met, we started to do the Rooted series. I became aware that one of my big strongholds was money. It happened to be that at the same time at church, we were talking about tithing. I remember sitting in church feeling like a spotlight was being shined upon me and calling me out. Paul and I had started to talk about you know, wanting to tithe, and I was uncomfortable. In talking with Ted, he said, why don't you just give, you know, 10, 20, $25. It's not about the money, the amount of money, it's about the act of doing it. I thought, okay, I could do this. <laughs> and so we set up a, the reoccurrence automatically every week. As I gave, my heart softened, um, and as I spoke about it out loud, some of that control and fear started to melt away. And I'd say we're still on the path, I'm still growing, but you know, we reevaluate and look at how much is our giving. It's really unbelievable how much more God gives back to us to then be able to give even more. God has provided it to myself and our family so that we can continue the mission of pouring back into our community and our church and really helping people find their way back to God. You know, Jesus uh, shared this story of these three servants because he wants to free us um, from unhealthy patterns in our relationship with money. And I think he really is in inviting us to enter into the true joy of managing everything we have uh, in our lives for him and his kingdom. And I just want to say too, you know, if you're going through a particular difficult time right now, maybe that is a challenge. Maybe you're hitting on hard times. We want to be the kind of place that you can come to us and we're going to help you get through whatever you're going through. All right. And uh, we want to be the kind of place that um, will provide resources to you in some way. We can help you with debt or budgeting or whatever it might be. We want to be practical in how we are able to be the kind of church family that I think God wants us to be, no matter what challenges you might be facing. All right? All right. So let me just challenge you. Are you willing to reset your relationship with money? Will you faithfully steward what's in, been entrusted you to help you love God and love others? And will you come and share in your master's happiness? All right. All right. Let's pray. Father God, God, thank you that, uh, um, that when you enter into a relationship with you, Jesus, that uh, uh, you don't leave anything behind. It's not like you want just part of us. You want all of us. And uh, you know, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly, I guess. And sometimes it's um, difficult relationships with money. It might be because of how we were raised, what we did or didn't have. It uh, might be because of bad experiences in previous settings. Maybe it was another church. Um, maybe it was how we've been mistreated when it comes to finances. God, whatever it might be, Lord, we, we kind of just bring that to you today. 
and just ask that you'd help us to reset our relationship with money, to, to recognize that real joy in life, real peace comes when we, we truly turn it over to you. And, uh, and I know that's, that's hard, but God, just help us to take a next steps towards doing that very thing. And then God, maybe it is this 30 day tracking challenge where we take a look at, okay, where is it going? We ask you to work through this as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.